1: Welcome to the Docs of Running Podcast. This is episode number 118. I will be hosting today. I'm Nathan Brown. With me, I have Dr. David Salas and Dr. Matthew Klein. Today is a really fun episode. We are starting a two-part series on our favorite shoes from 2022. These are shoes that we have gotten a lot of miles in and lots of testing. We decided to split it into two episodes just to make them a little bit more consumable, a little bit more readily accessible, and breaking down topics based on the type of shoe that we're talking about. Our team this year has tested and reviewed and have full written reviews of 140 different shoes. Um, That does mean that we brought it through our standardized protocol. We definitely make sure we get a, a good amount of miles on these things before we just spew thoughts on them. So we're excited that we have tested 140 last year. We tested 111. So we have grown a little bit in terms of our, of our capacity of shoes tested. And I think we did some math for how many miles our teams ran. Our team ran this year it was over 15,000 miles.
0: I think it's sixteen. It's sixteen something. Sixteen. Yeah.
1: 16,000 miles. So pretty exciting year for all of us. And I had a down year of, of the amount of shoes that I tested just because of uh, unfortunate injuries. So even with that, we still had uh, a huge amount of miles and a lot of shoes that we've been able to review. So like I said, we're going to split this into part one and part two. We always have a subjective and what. I just, re- just really want to hear your perspective because our thoughts on our favorite shoes and the way we're going about this process is that, yes, we test all these shoes. We bring them through our, our testing protocols, which I, just to kind of put that out there, it's a minimum of, it's not that much, but minimum of 20 miles and putting them through different paces depending on the type of shoe. So daily trainers have a certain type of runs we need to get in on them. Um, long run shoes, have you know, that's not a category, but shoes that should be used for long runs or are designed for that. We make sure we get long runs. In on them racing shoes, we get those sort of paces put on them, so we make sure that the shoe type matches our testing. Um, but again, for the subjective, we really want to hear from you. So pick any of the categories that we're going to talk about in this first section uh, and, and tell us what you think because we are of the persuasion that there is not a best shoe for everyone, there's a best shoe for each individual. And so that's why we don't even have consensus picks. We talk about why we choose these picks that we did for ourselves among our team, but we want to give everybody's perspective because there isn't a best shoe for everyone, but there are shoes that, again, can suit different types of runners and their preferences and their styles of running. So the topics that we're going to hit in this first section are daily trainer, max cushion trainer, best stability shoe, best stable neutral shoe, and then we're going to also dive into our trail pick for the year. The other thing that I should say is when when we go about picking the shoes that we have for our best for each of these categories, we're not only considering our our own preferences and testing um, experiences, but also considering what sort of people in our clinical positions might uh, also benefit from this. We have a, a larger perspective on that. Okay, so I think what we are going to do is start off with potentially the most, I don't know, what's it called? The most impactful, the most important potentially category of this whole thing, and that is daily trainers. The reason that I say it's most important is because uh, these are the shoes that you spend a majority of your time in. They're the shoes that might be for somebody the only shoe that you buy for your running. For many others, it's the shoe that you get some of your long runs in and some of your regular runs. You might get some tempo and then you only have one other shoe for races. So this is the shoe that you're going to get the bulk of your miles in and therefore we think it's of a lot of importance. So... I'm going to kick it off to Matt to start with his pick, which is actually a really spicy pick. And I think it to be pretty controversial,
0: <laughs> but Matt, what do you got for your, your daily trainer of the year? I would just like to clarify before I say this, that I am, I am not under contract with a six. I am not sponsored by a six, despite the number of people that have made that <laughs> comment on our YouTube videos, um, which I don't get. Actually, I don't understand that. Although I, I have a pair of their silver Spinter, uh, quarter tights that i do love and wear them all the time but that's a different story so my daily trainer of the year which is going to be very controversial is i'm going to give it to the a6 super blasts and there's a couple reasons why the first one is is that to me the foam compresses so much it doesn't feel as much like that maximal shoe compared to what my maximal pick of the year is the second thing is when you said you want a shoe that you can do the bulk of your miles and you can hit daily training you can hit a long run you can hit a tempo run maybe some workouts that shoe did it for this shoe did that for me where i could kind of handle a little bit of everything and it was still a fun shoe it wasn't super fun to start out with it was very stiff and i actually had some like patel issues like the first mile or two that went away i get it's controversial it's 220 bucks but i have like 120 miles on this this is my left shoe and there's nowhere on the outsole so it's turning out to be worth the money in terms of its versatility. I know it's a tall price point at least, but it seems to be worth it for someone like me that normally kills shoes. I think this is by far the most durable shoe of the year. Yeah, I think what's interesting for you, like
1: if, if you haven't followed Matt's experience in outsoles and wearing down shoes, he might, he he has often, broken through an outsole within 25 to 30 miles. So for something to get to a hundred is, is a huge deal for him. Um, 220 bucks is a, is a tough pill to swallow though for a it, daily trainer.
0: It, it definitely is. I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest that if I was not with, with, you know, doctors running, I would be using a medical discount on that for sure. Um, but it's turning out to be worth it in terms of if I wanted one thing that can handle a little bit of everything and have the durability last, you know six seven eight hundred miles if not more i think with my experience now to me that would be a worthy investment especially compared to like triathletes who spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on other gear to be able to have one thing that's kind of supportive in that and you know worth it worth it to me but i still understand it's an expensive price and a controversial shoe can you slow
1: down in it like are you comfortable at slower paces
0: yeah definitely okay when cool. it breaks in initially it's not like the first like 10 15 miles it is not comfortable to do uh it wasn't super comfortable to do easy miles in but then as it broke down after that it's been great and so that's one of the reasons i typically take shoot my kind of minimum for me just because i really need to see what durability is is at least 30 to 40 miles on shoes. so but this i got 110 120 and Still intact. Yeah. Still going. Yeah.
1: It's one you're reaching for. Yes. And just for a couple easy specs for everybody, just in case you haven't had experience with this shoe, it is their shoe that they have pushed the boundaries with in terms of the amount of foam underneath. So there's 45.5 millimeters in the heel. 37 and a half in the forefoot, 8.4 ounces. So it's a very light shoe, 220 bucks. It has a dual density midsole. So it's got their Flight Foam Turbo um, is the bulk of it. And then they have their Flight Foam Blast Plus on the bottom to give it a little bit of a stable platform on the bottom. No plate at all. It's just a, but it's still stiff. because It's still the really stiff
0: despite, despite having not, no plate.
1: Right. All right, I'm going to go next for for Daily Trainer, and then I'll kick it over to you, DJ, at the end. Um, I always find—I'm going to grab it here. I always find that picking my Daily Trainer of the Year is usually pretty easy because it's just what's the shoe that I put the most miles in over the course of the year, Um, and— Another part that it was for me this year was what's the shoe that matches me best as I recovered from some foot injuries. So big caveat there, and that doesn't mean that if you've had a foot injury, this is the right shoe for you, but for my situation, it was. Um, I also think that this shoe carries with it uh, some versatility and just a lot of uh, fun, but but. Within a within a very pretty simple design of Daily Trainer, and that is the Nova Blast Three, also from Asics. So I guess we have two Asics picks uh, for for Daily Trainer of the Year. Um, I know that there's I, I don't know. I just think that the, this third iteration has kind of refined everything that came. The first Nova Blast for me was just really sloppy. The upper didn't fit well. It was really unstable. Version two kind of started to tweak it a little bit and change the drop and started to add some stuff. This third version feels super refined. The design of the outsole and kind of this pod through the forefoot, I find this to be one of the most... There's two shoes that were the most cushioned forefoot shoes for me this year to run in. where I really felt like I could... Um, sense the cushioning in the forefoot, and that was the Nova Blast was the first one, and then the Cloud Monster was the other one. So I just really appreciated the forefoot cushioning for some of the longer miles, and it also is just soft enough to allow me to slow down and get some easy daily miles in as well. Um, I also think that they refined the heel quite a bit so that it wasn't as unstable as the previous, especially version one. Version two and three were a little bit better. So this is this shoe I could just do a whole heck of a lot in. I also, there, there's been a little bit of... Um, There's been some people commenting to us that we didn't comment enough on poor traction of the outsole, and I honestly just haven't had any problems. I have over 100 miles in this shoe as well, and I just don't, I haven't had any problems with traction, and I've actually, in the last week, I I took it back out because I was taking all the shoes I picked for my shoes of the years to just refresh them in the last week or so, and... I took this out in the ice and the snow, and it did just as fine as, as everything else that I have been doing. So, I, I really just appreciated um, this shoe in terms of what it did for me in my return to running process. I got a ton of miles in it. I find it fun enough, um, and just simple enough at the same time. I like some simplicity and some flexibility in my daily trainer. And this has kind of this that moderate amount of flexibility where it can give you some snap if you want to pick up the pace. Just a couple, again, quick stacks on this one. 38 millimeters in the heel, 30 in the forefoot. So 8 millimeter drop. It is still a lot of stack. It's got some sidewalls on there and it's their flight foam blast plus uh throughout the entire midsole so just a single single density midsole and it comes in 140 dollars, which i think is a a pretty standard price for a daily trainer and i think this is just one of the more fun ones out there and i really enjoyed it this year so um david let's let's kick it over to you um what do you what do you got what's your pick for the year
2: yeah so for me i go by what fits my mechanics best um it's kind of funny because like you, say, you take a look at the shoe that gives you the most mileage on the year. And for me, my highest volume is usually workouts and long runs. So I don't always, like my daily trainers don't always have the mileage of my workout shoes, which is kind of funny. But in the days that I'm in between um, that I just want to go enjoy, be easy, just run nice, uh, it's the OnCloud Monster. And this was a really, really close race for me because I also really like the a6 evo ride 3 and so for 85 percent of this year i was saying evo ride 3 evo ride 3 and then i was like i do really like the monster though and i took it out again a couple weeks ago because we were starting to wrap up our thoughts and i was like no it's the cloud monster this thing works well for me and so it provides a good and an on person-
1: this has been an interesting year for on just in general i think that some of their offerings this year have felt even better than their previous ones. Anyway, sorry, I, I don't know. I, I think that they get some flack sometimes that I don't know if they deserve, but um, I think they've produced some good shoes this year. Keep going.
2: Yeah, and you alluded to this a little bit with the Nova Blast, which I did feel in the Nova Blast as well, but like, it's relatively high stack. There is that plastic speedboard plate, whatever you want to call it through there, but there's still flexibility. Like it's, like it's It's rigid, but it's not so much so that I feel like I'm rolling off. I get to still use my natural mechanics coming off of it. Um, it's something like for the Saucony Endorphin Shift Three. Like, I liked the shoe, but I just felt like it was a little too stiff for me up front. Whereas something like this just worked well. So it was like more of a balanced rocker, not quite as dramatic. I could still use my natural mechanics. Um, I Feel the same way about the Evo Ride Three. Evo Ride Three is a little bit lighter, a little bit lower to the ground, firmer, snappier, um, kind of more nimble. You know. But as far as like, it depends on the day what I want. But for the most part, like, I do end up reaching for the Cloud Monster. Oh, and then it's also like nine point seven ounces. It is a little bit more pricey than the other shoes that we were talking about. This one's one hundred and seventy. Well, Super Blast is two twenty, but
1: uh, <laughs> we got a we got a low medium <laughs> high, we got a, we got a low, or like regular high, high yeah. extra high. <laughs> um,
2: but stacks, I mean, to my knowledge, I believe it's thirty three in the heel, twenty seven in the forefoot, so we have a six millimeter drop. So it's on the higher ish end of stacks. Now there's so many offerings that are above thirty five. It's kind of like it's in the middle, but it provides good balanced cushioning. It's not super soft. It's not super firm. It's kind of like right in the middle, balanced ride. And that's what I like about it. There's nothing like overly special per se. It's just a nice shoe that works to my mechanics that I feel good in. And I can still turn over a little bit as well, which is nice.
1: Yeah. I think what's surprising is even with the weight where it's at, um, you've talked about some of the workouts you've been able to do in the shoe and some of the paces you've been able to hit. That was on the that was close on the list for me. That was in my top three for daily trainers, too. So it's another, another nice shoe. So there you got that. That's our three picks. I should say we're planning to have Andrea, who's been a, another huge tester for us this year. She's planning to release a mini episode, just her walking through some of her picks. So you'll get hers as well. So let's move to our next category. This one, we're going to talk about max cushion shoes. We've had some fun debates within our chats about what makes something max cushion. Shoes that popped into their head regarding what they define as max max cushion i just categorically wasn't putting that shoe in as consideration so um these are shoes that we have different definitions for so i'm not even going to try to define this category but uh let's just talk about the max cushion and and what we think and matt we'll kick it off with you
0: yeah the other the other challenge i have to add to this is that so many shoes even daily trainers are now at that maximal stack height like even the nova blasts right it's got a 38 millimeter heel 30 millimeter forefoot it's like well, technically, we're starting to get into maximal stuff, so that's why these categories are starting to blend. But for variety, I'm going to say that this shoe that I'm about to bring up is one of my favorite shoes of the year in terms of just overall training. But I decided to go, hey, let's actually give it its own category and have a little variety there. But for my maximalist shoe of the year, it is the New Balance Fresh Foam More V4. And it's kind of funny that previous Moors I was not impressed with. I was like, Okay, and this just came a total redo, super nice, extremely stable, phenomenal sidewalls. Kudos to the individuals and designers and developers at New Balance for making a maximal shoe that wasn't crazy bouncy, but it's just smooth. It's got just the right amount of cushioning. It's a little bit wider too. The toe guard took just a second to break in, but once it did, I had plenty of room up front without being sloppy. So everything was done just right. And again, I've got over 100 miles in these and I was not able, I got some wear here, but I could not tear through the outsole. So bonus points again for durability. It was a fun shoe just to go. I don't know what else to grab i'm gonna grab the more
1: yeah i i'll just go next because i for my maximal cushion shoe i also chose the more v4 i think it's just that perfect and, and so for me categorically when i think of a max cushion shoe i think of a very as david would say a very cozy shoe one that i can just pop on and just go like bop down the road and just feel very comfortable in and just feel very protected in and i just feel like this this is a very soft running experience in the more V4. It looks like super high stack because of the sidewalls. It's not actually that high. If you take out the insole in the liner, I think it's only 34 millimeters in the heel and I think it's a four millimeter drop. So you, you know, and with how soft it was, it almost becomes closer to a uh, a zero drop shoe but because of the flexibility in the forefoot like despite look at the like it's still so flexible um so it just felt like it just moved around along really naturally while still feeling really soft and cushioned and protective so I love just bopping along in this shoe that's probably the best way I can describe what I can do in the shoes bop along if I want to run 10 minute miles or slower I love throwing this shoe on if I want to get recovery miles in I love throwing this shoe on that's just where I go uh, when I think about max cushion shoes
0: What do you got, Matt? The other thing I have to say, just in terms of this has also been a really good shoe that I think success suggesting to some coworkers and patients for individuals that have to be on their feet or walking for long periods throughout the day, not necessarily running. I think the rocker combined with having just just enough flexibility with kind of stable, neutral, with a little wider fit has worked very, very well. Also for myself working in the hospital, just having this and being able to go, hey, I can be on my feet all day. It's been really nice. Although for the hospital, especially inpatient, i i would not use white i got lucky with that but i would not use the white version if i were you (laughs) totally um last couple other specs just to
1: round this thing out so it's coming in at 10.4 ounces again it's got that 34 to 30 stack height and it comes in at 150 dollars uh what about you david what do you got for your max max cushion pick this is the one i just categorically did not put in my in contention for this one but what do you got
2: yeah, so when I think of maximum cushioning, I try to keep it relatively objective. Like if it's like over thirty-five millimeters of stack to me, like that's that's if it's got max cushioning, it's got max cushioning. There's forty millimeters of foam underneath you, like that's max cushioning. Um With that said, I did pick the A6 Super Blast, and so for me, it's a versatile pick in the category. It's a fun shoe. I can run slow in it. I can run fast in it. I can I can even take it like in like dirt. Like it doesn't have to be like not necessarily like technical terrain, but like I can run like bluff trails and I can run some like in the little like woodland areas with like the wider, better footing. Like, I don't know, I can do it. Like I feel pretty nimble for the most part in the shoe and it's a shoe that works well for me. And I think like Klein was talking about it with the more V4, but I think they did a good job with the sidewall integration here as well. You feel very centered, the like platforms wide, the traction's decent enough, you know, it's, for the most part, I'm able to do everything I want to do in the shoe. So it's a shoe I like running in. And for a shoe that's over quote unquote, 35 ish millimeters, you know, for me, like a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. A lot more. Like if it's 45 millimeters of stack under your foot, like that's a maximum cushion shoe. In my opinion, um, that might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know, but like to me, that's max cushioning.
0: It's funny of all the shoes that we've talked about that, that this is actually the highest stack and also the lowest weight. Of all of yeah, the shoes like, we've talked it's about so just,
2: far, it's an absurd shoe. Like that's why for me it has to win the max cushion category. But I, I understand what you're saying, though. Like uh, the Cloud Monster kind of was my pick, like pretty much the entire year up until getting the Super Blast, and that was like one of those things where it was like right before we had to make our decisions, and I'm like, oh man, okay, I can't give it to the Cloud Monster. Like I like this shoe. This is a shoe that's just fun for that category.
1: I think the hardest thing to consider with the Super Blast is just that price point.
2: You know, like, we get this
1: shoe for free. Like, that does change our percent. Like, we don't feel the weight of spending $220, and I think we get that. Um, So, uh, you know, that's why we like to all pick our individual ones, because some people may be in a spot where getting a shoe that costs $220 isn't a big deal. For others, that's just not a feasible thing, and we we really, like, understand that and respect that. So, um, yeah, good. So we're going to move on to... Oh, do you have something else?
2: Yeah, Just a real quick question. You ever played Bop It as a kid?
1: Yeah, heck yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. That's where you got it. Cool. Bopping around.
1: Bopping along. Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: oh, got it.
1: Got it. Man, so you just like, you waited on that joke because I had, oh, wow.
0: On topic, (laughs) I'd like to (laughs) shout out the the New Balance, uh, was it, the SC Trainer was a very close, one for max maximal stuff new balance definitely put out some great stuff this year and and much more affordable what is that 170 180 180? bucks it was that's a that is that in terms of like price point i'm surprised because i would have actually put that shoe at 200 220 but speaking of affordability anyway Close. Yeah, and and I think
1: I think what'll be interesting is TRE the you know people have been in reporting on that and what they're doing with the changes. They're actually decreasing the stack height and making that shoe a little bit lighter, but keeping a lot of the characteristics. I think it'll be a fun shoe to check out for sure. The biggest thing for me, the operative work, fun.
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I think just just so that if anybody from New Balance is listening, that's a special uh, BJ has a special place in his heart, and when he saw the updated version, he's a little terrified. So please, we got to make sure that shoe is consistent. I know he made some changes, but. Don't freak out, BJ.
1: (laughs) Yes, BJ, for those who don't know, is our audio engineer, and he's listening right now. All right, so what we got um, next is two stability categories. If you've followed us, we have our stability guide online. Um, I think that the goal of that article is to share what stability really means, what it really does from a research perspective, as well as how different companies integrate creating structure within their shoes to support a foot in different ways in theory. So you can check that out on our website. It's our guide to stability. Um, it should have something up in the upper tab to find it pretty easily, but we do think it's a pretty helpful resource. Um, especially if you're working in run retail and you're new to it, it could be a nice uh, way to, to process through what types of shoes are on your shoe wall at your store. All right, so let's let's go first with what we call our stable neutral category. So this is a category that um, we we think about because sta- stability does not necessarily mean it used to mean that you needed this post, like this denser foam or some kind of plastic piece through the midfoot um, on the medial side, on the inside of the foot. Now that's not necessarily the case. There are shoes that are technically neutral shoes. These categories are getting blurred, but that have a a platform that makes it relatively stable meaning maybe it's a wider base on the bottom of the foot maybe it has some sole flaring maybe it has some sidewalls maybe the geometry is such that it moves the foot forward really well so let's start with our best stable neutral
0: shoe of the year matt let's kick it off with you and see what you got so i'm gonna go this shoe gets another award because again all the things (laughs) you mentioned when it comes to stable neutral you can either do this well or not so well and this shoe hit Every single box well, and there's a couple reasons why. So my again for stable neutral shoe of the year was the New Balance Fresh Foam more V4, and there because it it again they did everything great that I'd want in a neutral shoe, but made it incredibly stable without being intrusive on the foot. So it's a shoe that I've gotten feedback from from not just myself but from patients and from people that I've I've kind of got like suggested it to feel stable, people that needed more stability, people that didn't and didn't feel that intrusiveness. So first thing, the the outsole flare is done very, very well. There is a slight posterior lateral bevel here, so geometry is done really well. The sidewalls on both sides of the shoe are done phenomenally well. They're very high, but are non-intrusive and work really well, again, with that concept of guidance. And they actually move down slightly into the forefoots for those who need it there. Another great thing, they did not narrow the midfoot. It stays fairly wide, the outsole's wide, and it's still on the lighter end for a shoe like this at 10.4 ounces. So I've taken this up to like 15, 16 miles, which is kind of my max right now, had zero issues with fatigue of some of those more intrinsic muscles of my foot and hip. So it's it does it does stable, neutral very, very, very well.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's a great, a great pick. Mine's actually somewhat similar with... A couple major differences, but I think when I think of stable neutral, the shoe since its first first iteration has kind of been the definition of stable neutral for me in a lot of ways, and that is uh, the sockety Endorphin Shift. This is version three, and I'm holding the Run Shield version, which I'm actually a big I'm a better I'm a bigger fan of their Run Shield this year than I am of their regular versions. I think the uppers just fit a little bit better for me in the forefoot and are super comfortable. Especially as I'm going into winter, I'm loving the the warmer upper, but. What makes this shoe stable neutral, again, is a lot of the things that Matt just talked about, but it's got a really wide platform underfoot, Uh, but what the shift does is that it kind of creates this plastic cup that goes around its sidewalls and creates this cradle for the heel, so it's a very structured heel without having a very hard heel counter, so above this plastic piece here, um, there's a little bit of softness in the heel counter, which keeps some of that comfort for the instep feel. The, what's interesting is the change for V3 is they got rid of the plastic piece that was diving down on the medial side and they just exchanged it for this C cup, which I think is is... A solid. I, I kind of miss that. I loved the. I loved that design of the external heel counter dipping down into the foam. But they they do that here with this with this plastic cup and just having that as a as a part of structuring. It just adds more resistance to the foam in the posterior side of the shoe, um, which decreases the amount of compression that it can go through. It increases the resistance to compression both medially and laterally. I think the big difference for this shoe is the forefoot flexibility. So for the more V4, it's got a relatively flexible forefoot, whereas this one does not really have any. So when I think about patient populations, this is actually a shoe that I recommend to a lot of people who need some sort of stable platform and also are having issues where they, they, they can't go through a lot of big toe extension. So this has a nice rocker. It operates off of the rocker, but it's not this aggressive carbon plated shoe. It has no plate, but it still has a stiff enough forefoot that people who don't have extension to their great toe, they can utilize this shoe. So this is actually one of the shoes that I recommend to my patients, probably more than any other and that's again for specific patient populations but it's just the people who end up coming in for therapy um, and, and I just see this as a pretty versatile tool because of the structure of the shoe as well as the rocker that it operates off of
0: Maybe you have something to add? I'd say on a follow-up to that, While well, the more, these are two very close to me, and I would just, I agree with everything Nathan said. The only thing I would add to that is while well, the more it tends to fit wider, for those patients or people that have a little bit more narrow foot, for me, the Shift 3 has fit more snug than previous versions, and that can be, Great for a lot of people who, yes, a lot of some people have wide feet. Some people have very narrow feet and have a very hard time finding a, sh- a shoe that's a little more secure that can also be stable neutral. So this has been a go-to one for that. It's not a narrow fit, but it's just a little bit more snug that I think some people with a little more narrow feet might do really well and that are looking for all the components that Nathan just talked about.
1: Totally, and just a couple of specs on this one since we haven't talked about this shoe yet. Um, the Shift Three is thirty nine. I'm, I'm hoping this is right. Yeah, thirty nine millimeters in the heel, thirty five in the forefoot. The regular, not the Run Shield version, but the. Um, but the regular version 3 is 9.4 ounces, and it's coming in at $150. So, um, again, it's in that 100. F- I feel like what we're seeing most typically, it's rare now, unfortunately, to see a $120 shoe. It's kind of 140 to 160 are kind of these. That's your typical typical pricing, and then it just goes up from there. Um, so when you see shoes for 120 and below, it's kind of a steal now, which is a sad thing to say. But that's where we're at. David, what do you got for your stable neutral?
2: Yeah, so when I think of a stable neutral shoe, I'm usually thinking of something that is still in that neutral category. Like the shoe runs neutral. It's definitely a neutral shoe, but there's a couple of elements that just kind of give a little bit of touch to help with keeping a stable platform and keep you centered. Um, for me, my number one this year would be the On Cloud Go. The Cloud Go, it doesn't have a super wide base, it doesn't have any dramatic sidewalls. I mean, this is still very much a neutral shoe, but I think it's balanced out pretty well overall. So when we take a look at geometry, like it's rounded out pretty well, very centered. It has like the groove that comes down the midline there. Base is still, you know, I mean, it's it's neutral, you know, it's nothing like overly wide, but it's not narrow either. When you go through the midfoot, everything in the upper is balanced, locks down well, doesn't stretch too much, locks your foot in pretty well. And when I think of stability too, I think of confidence and where I can take the shoe. And it's a shoe that I can pretty much take wherever I want, where I didn't feel that with the shift or with the, uh, more V4, where I didn't like, I, like, there's just certain areas. Like I'm not going to take it there where I could take this pretty much anywhere. Um, so that's why the cloud go and it does have the plate in the midsole as well. So it does kind of firm that up a tiny bit, even though it's still a little bit of a softer right underfoot, so more balanced, um, Nothing overly dramatic about this shoe, you know, Um, but it's a shoe that does it well for me, and it's a shoe that I reach for pretty frequently, and it kind of rounded out that top three trainer list for me too. Yeah, Um, and I think
1: about, you talk about confidence going on different trails. I think the Shift 3, it's a pretty high-stack shoe, right? So despite having that wider platform, I wouldn't want to bring that thing on the trails either. You know, it's it's a nice, neutral, stable, neutral shoe for the road kind of thing, or like the granite trails that I go on around here, crushed granite. So,
2: yeah, and then just yeah. real quick, honorable mention here, Evo Ride Three. So, I know you had like the new size, kind of like your honorable mention, right? Yeah,
1: I was just gonna say my honorable mentions the they're the Lower same pl- shoe. With- yeah,
2: same same <laughs> shoe, different upper. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but basically firmer eva platform good sidewalls integrated some forefoot uh sole flaring going on there you just feel confident in the shoe like when you're on the road it, you know exactly what you're doing where your foot's going and it's very rhythmic with the stride and so that's my reason why it's there and that would it was close i mean it's very close call between these yeah.
1: two yeah this shoe the trinoosa is just a fantastically safe platform so simple there's just nothing, no no frills. It's just an EVA base. It's got the perfect amount of rocker, and I think the perfect amount of flexibility through the forefoot to be something that is structured enough to help you move forward.
2: Do we have the price point on the Evo Ride Three? Because I believe this one's cheaper than the Nusa, right? It's
1: a good point. Maybe BJ can find that for us, and when he does, we'll we'll, we'll just we'll, take a break yeah. and announce it out loud. So let's go into our stability category. So um, is this one? We don't have full consensus on this, but Matt and I have picked the same shoe so david why don't why don't you go first
2: yeah so same thing when i think of stability i think of confidence i just think of like a platform like i can trust this thing from the traction from the sole flaring oh we just got word evo ride three is 120 perfect because we were talking about a shoe being 120 or under you know um it's a pretty affordable option it's very versatile very lightweight it came very very close to making my trainer of the year um, it's a shoe I like. It's not like a lot of the other shoes that are out. Very simple platform. Looks like Nusa try is at one thirty. I feel like one of those like people that are like auctioning like uh, online bid thing. Like, Hey, we got it at one twenty. <laughs> we got it at one thirty. I see the we have now one forty. We have one forty one forty over in, in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> the cat um, in the corner is saying one forty. But yeah, both really good options at their price points. So um, I think it's worth looking out for. Uh, just. No frills, though. Like, if you're expecting a shoe that has, like, these new generation bouncy midsoles, like, it's not that. But it's a very simple, nimble, trustworthy ride, and that's what I like the most about it. But moving on. Stability. Back to stability. Going back to the confidence. (laughs) So now that it's an actual stability shoe, I'm not looking for it to be neutral, right? And when I say that, it doesn't necessarily have to have a post, but it's got to have these stability elements there. For me, a shoe that's always worked well for me, um, year after year, and the lineage continues upon this, it's the Wave Horizon series from Mizuno. So, the Wave Horizon 6 is my stability choice of the year. Upper locks down really well. It doesn't stretch very much like it, I mean, it has a little bit, but enough, like in a good way, where it's accommodating, but it's not so so stretchy where you're moving around. Um, Last and platform, relatively wide, good traction throughout. They kind of have that chassis build a little bit that you're seeing in some of these shoes as well, where they have the soft Energy core in the midline of it and kind of like sitting in the shoe. And then it's encapsulated with that firmer um, Energy midsole around it. And then also their euphoric EVA as well. And so you got three different densities in this shoe and they're really playing around with that design where they're looking at how can we make this thing stable without it just having a jamming plastic post in the midfoot and calling it stable. So I love in that
1: shoe how they offset the EVA with the energy core just so that it, it goes a little bit further in on the medial side. So it's not technically a post. You're getting their typical like foam that you get in all their other trainers. It's just the way that they're matching it with a softer midsole uh, with that energy core that runs through the middle. I thought that's just a really nice design.
2: And here's something that's pretty fun too is actually when you take a look at the shoe design, the outsole in a way kind of functions a little bit as a post as well. So when you look at it, it wraps. So like here's the outsole and then it kind of comes and just hugs that inner line as well. And that's not on the lateral piece. So they have things integrated in there to kind of give you that stability and guidance in the shoe without it being like, let's just jam that thing. And so I think they did a really good job with that shoe. And I think they've continued to improve that shoe in the stability category each year for me. So kudos to Mizuno. You guys are doing a great job with that. Um, for me, that was like by a landslide my top stability pick. But honorable mention, I think you guys both have the same one that I was my honorable mention. So it's still awesome choice. We'll talk. You guys go. We'll talk yeah. about it.
1: Yeah. And so just to wrap up the Horizon, um, some specs really quick: thirty-eight millimeters in the heel, thirty in the forefoot. A little bit heavier at eleven point two ounces, um, and it comes in at one hundred and seventy dollars. So. For the stability pick that Matt and I, Matt and I chose, I am going to give one quick caveat. So this is the the pick is the Saukany Tempest and. We'll, we'll talk about it, but something that we did do as a team, so a, a, over a year before the shoe came out, Saucony reached out to us. They said, hey, we had this con- we have this concept for a shoe. We want to see if you would do clinical validation to see if what you see from a clinical perspective matches the goals that we're setting out to do with the shoe. They sent us a lot of early prototypes to check it out, and then they did bring us out to Saucony to help um, basically create some content. Mainly, They did release this on their websites, but a lot of it was for run retail stores to help um, us discuss what we see the utility of the Tempest being. So just they, we didn't get paid to do that project, and we agreed to do the project because we did think that the product did what they set out to do. But I think it's worth worth saying up front that that is something that we did do in partnership with Saucony regarding this shoe. Um, it also means that we have a lot of experience in the shoe, and um, we think that that experience helped shape kind of how how we think about this shoe because we've been running it for for a really long time. So uh, yeah, the Saucony Tempest, Matt, why don't you talk about that shoe and, and what we like about it?
0: Yeah. So the Saucony Tempest really is the spiritual successor to the hurricane. It kind of replaced that line. But it is a completely different shoe, and it does stability in a different way than a lot of stability shoes did, and it's in in ways that we have been talking about. So it's a combination of a couple things. It is a in that range of being a lightweight trainer at eight point nine ounces for men's size nine, seven point nine ounces for women's size eight, I think. Taller stack, so thirty six and a half in the heel, twenty eight and a half in the forefoot for an eight millimeter drop. It's got power on PB, which is Saucony's little more super foam. And power run and how they've turned that into a stable ride is they have kind of these guide these like it's not guidelines not guide rails but like this these external portions of power run that go both on the lateral and medial side with power run PB and yeah with the I'm sorry with the wrap around it with the power run PB in the inner component so you still get that nice power run PB but if you go a little bit too far either direction it kind of helps guide you back in so this is really. A stability shoe, but this really to me is a great example of a guidance shoe where it's not going to push you too far one way. It's really just trying to get you forward and follows along with some of the concept that we've talked about that people like Ben O'Nigg have talked about with like the um, – the, why am I forgetting the name of this? Yeah, I always said path least the preferred movement paradigm, which has been really something that we have liked because, again, it's not trying to push you in one direction. I also like that it's 8.9 ounces. So for me, I like lightweight trainers. I'm biased in that, and I really wanted something that I could find was stable going, hey, if I want to go run a longer-distance run – I don't have to find you know something that's neutral or like sacrifice that with the super shoe. I can still find this. And the other population this has worked really well for is people that really have stability needs but want a shoe that has a super foam to go be a marathon racer, maybe a half marathon racer. We now have that kind of shoe because it's light enough that you could certainly do use this as a distant shoe. Um, for me personally, it works more as a training shoe. But a lot of people are going to be able to run marathons in this going, I get a super foam, but I also get the stability, which is rare at the moment. Yeah,
1: And I've, I just have appreciated, it. I think everyone on our team um, has responded well to the shoe. Like no one's had issues with it. I think a lot of times a shoe with a lot of structure built to it, like this could be a, considered a max stability shoe for, for certain people. A lot of times a max stability shoe causes problems for, for some of our team, including myself. But I think I did appreciate that everyone was able to get a lot of miles on this shoe, and no one bowed out because it didn't work for them. Because uh, that that's that happens for us, where we'll get shoes and we just choose not to keep running because it causes problems. So um, I think that that speaks to the versatility in terms of a structure and guidance perspective that the Tempest offers.
0: All right, so we are going. You want to say one more thing, Matt? Yeah, I'd say on that note, and that's kind of the goal of guidance is to not necessarily push somebody in one direction just to help. I hate using this phrase, but to support their mechanics, whatever that may be. And I was interested to go, Nathan, Andrea, Bach didn't have any issues with this shoe. And all three of them tend to be very sensitive to stability methods. And will usually pass on those kind of shoes, but had no issue with that. So it's not, it's not a neutral shoe, but it's, it's, it will, it may work for those with neutral mechanics that want it, that just need something more stable. And it will work for those that need stability, which is great.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Cool. Well, we're going to go into, uh, our last category that we're going to give picks for this one probably won't take as long. Um, but I uh, yeah, I don't know why I said that maybe it will let's, but let's dive into it. This is talking about trail shoes. So these are just shoes that are designed specifically for the trail. It can encompass both, you know, road to trail shoes. It can also be, um, technical trail shoes. We didn't, we didn't splice those out. So this is all trail shoes that we've tested throughout the year. David, why don't you go first?
2: Yeah. So I've got a couple, It just depends on the kind of terrain I'm running in. But I look at the experience I'm having when I'm running when I'm, when I'm on the trails, it's about having fun. I don't really run trail racing competitively. I did one trail race last year. That was the extent of my trail racing career as far as that goes. (laughs) Um, so, um, I just like a shoe that I can enjoy and have fun. And there's two different shoes that come to mind when I have like, runnable terrain, but it's technical enough to where, like, I need to have a trail shoe on, I go for the Endorphin Edge. It's a shoe that's very fun. The Power Run PB is noticeable. If I want to pop off a little bit, I could pop off. I could still slow down and run slower, and it's a shoe that just runs very rhythmic, and that's something that I like, and I can just go and enjoy the trail. With that said, if I'm having a lot of really steep inclines, declines, things like that, that rocker starts to get a little too much for me. And so here at Santa Barbara we do have a lot of front country trails that have like pretty steep grades uh for a couple miles worth and I just wouldn't really like want it for those specific trails and so for that category I go more the topo pursuit a much more balanced profile a little bit heavier on foot but it's just a trusty shoe and um It's, yeah, it's got the Vibram lugs. It's got like a wide base. The upper is supportive, holds you in. It's very trusty. It's one that if I'm having to like hike a little bit too, I actually enjoy walking in this shoe as well. And so it's a shoe that like, if I'm just going to be out there and I know it's going to be a long day and I'm going to have to go up some steep grades, come down some steep grades. Maybe I'm going to be power hiking a little bit. Like this is going to be a shoe that I'm going to probably reach for versus the endorphin edge. I'm running the whole run. Like this is something that I can run and keep running, and you know? I don't really like walking in it as much. So totally
0: great. Matt, what do you got? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have it with me because I took it to Oregon when I was visiting family and then it, I forgot it there and it's getting shipped back. No, I didn't forget it. It was, it just wouldn't fit on my, in my uh, bag. So the Exodus ultra from Saucony is my trail shoe of the year. And it was very, it almost was a close battle between the Endorphin edge and a couple other ones. But just the way the shoe is designed, the the lugs provide so much grip. And I, in Monrovia here in California, and up in, in Mount Hood and Welch's, Oregon, um, the two places I've kind of lived. Monrovia, we've got a ton of trails here. They're pretty technical. And then when it rains, the mud is super slippery. And that's exactly why I went to go test the shoe when I got the non-run shield version. And it grips super well. And the other thing that I really like about it is that It's, again, similar kind of the Tempest, not quite. I don't know if this was intentional, but it's got a core of power on PB with an encapsulation of power run. So what ends up happening is it does something similar. It turns it into a stable shoe that's not necessarily a stability shoe that just has worked well for me for long runs and like hard trail stuff, especially where I the, think the terrain gets a little bit rough. It's not super max, like something like the endorphin edge. It's, it's kind of more, I guess, moderate. I don't know if that's the right term to use. It's still pretty high stack. Um, but it's just has a really grounded feel and the durability has also been phenomenal. It's handled wet mud. It's handled ice snow going through the the run shield did very well going through creeks, although it is not waterproof. It's water resistant. So my feet still got wet, but the, the confidence I got on trails, being able to grip no matter what came my way. And then the inherent guidance in it for me was what made it the trail show of the year.
2: I will say, just to add on to that, like if I had to pick one for like sloppy conditions award, I probably would give it to the Exodus. That outsole is very sticky. It's a very trusty shoe. It's one that like, yeah, we had a, a, a bout of rain and I took the Peregrine and the Exodus out and like the power track on the bottom, like that stuff sticks. Like if, if you need to go into those kinds of terrain, so. Uh,
1: just, uh, I just, I forgot to do specs on a couple of these, but for the endorphin edge, 36 millimeters in the heel, 30 in the forefoot, Nine ounces, and it comes in $195. Uh, it does have a plate in there. It's Power Red PB, um, but it, the plate is more flexible than the ones that they use in the other models. Uh, differently designed plate. It's got. Uh, it's it's interesting. You can play with carbon to make it flex one way and not the other. So they've done that with the Endorphin Edge. Um, the Carvotex plate. Yep. Uh, then when you look at the Exodus ultra, you're looking at 32 millimeters in the heel, 26 in the forefoot, 10.3 ounces coming in at $150. And then my pick, uh, for the year, I, I, am kind of like you, David, where it really depends on what I'm doing. Um, but from a pure and just enjoyment of running experience, um, I, I think that this company is one of the kings of trail, um, and it's a Hoka shoe. It's the Hoka Tecton I just really enjoyed it. It's got four millimeter lugs. It's meant to be a racing shoe. I've never raced in it. I've just used it for running. When I went out to Colorado, this was the shoe that I loved running in the most. I brought this and the endorphin edge out there. I just found that the, the smaller lugs sh- and they were still grippy on whatever surfaces I was I was going on. I was on a lot of rock and stuff like that. So I just really enjoyed this shoe. It's got the two plates. So there's two plates not stacked on top of each other, but side to side. And it's still flexible enough where I could go hiking in the shoe as well. For me in the way that I use trails, I want something that I can both hike in and I can run in. And I think that despite this being designed for racing, it comes in, it's super light. It's 8.5 ounces. It's more expensive. It's 200 bucks, um, 32 millimeters in the 27 the four foot. I, I just really enjoyed this shoe. I love the um, Pro Fly on the top versus their their firmer EVA on the bottom, just like it's set up in the Mach 5. I really love that feel underfoot. So this was a great shoe. Um, and because it has the lower lugs, it can work road to trail as well. Um, my favorite hiking shoe is still the Lone Peak from Ultra. Like that shoe is just phenomenal for hiking. I feel like I could, I know that makes sense why it's the most frequently chosen shoe to through hike the Appalachian Trail. So uh, it's a great shoe. So there we go. There's our picks for this segment. We want to hear what you all think about those categories. Pick pick which category you care about the most, the one you're most passionate about. Tell us what you think we may have missed. Maybe some things we didn't consider. Maybe some shoes that you think should have been included. We'd love to hear it. Um, We'd love to hear perspectives. Before I sign off, I do want to say one more thing about a category that we've given a lot of attention to this year. And it's really been spearheaded by Bach, our media manager. Um, He has been doing uh, feature articles on companies that are working towards creating sustainable shoes. And we just wanted to give a shout out to a couple that have not just decided to make one-off shoes, um, but they're dedicated to creating a whole line that operates from a sustainable perspective. So it's been a good year for these small new companies like Zen Running, Hilo, oxygen actives. And then there's others who are innovating to take a stab at developing new strategies to tackle the major sustainability problem caused by running. Running footwear's challenge is more clear cut. By the way, I'm reading something. If you couldn't tell my tone changes, I'm reading what Box said because he's been really our spearheader. So um, here we go. I'm going to keep going. Uh, running footwear's challenge is more clear cut than other industries in terms of waste because there's not an afterlife for most of footwear. And most footwear that we dispose of ends up taking far longer than the average human life. To to fully break down. Um, from broad recycling projects to the use of more plant based materials to developing science that helps shoes break down hundreds of times faster than before, these small companies are in investing unique strategies toward or inventing and investing in unique strategies toward tackling this broader issue. So I, I think it's it's one of these things that we have the opportunity to jump on board with some of these companies. The more we support them, the more backing they're going to be able to advance the performance. And the ones we mentioned, Zen Running, High Low, Oxygen Actives, they have some performance factors to them as well. So we have reviews of all these shoes and deeper dives in the, um, in the, uh, oh my gosh. On our website, the feature articles that that Bach put through. You can learn a lot more about them, and I encourage you to do so. And he also said that the one company that creates shoes on a broader scale that's really tackling this Head on is Newton running uh, in the way that they're creating disposable shoes and um, just the way that they're overhauling their entire line to do so. So uh, go, go check them out and we encourage you to do so. But we are going to sign off for now. If you, again, if you have any questions for us, you can always reach out to us at doctors of running podcast at gmail.com and we're excited to hear what y'all think. And coming up in part two is going to be, we're going to talk about speed, performance trainers, short race distance, long race distance, as well as talking about what we think the best brands were this year and some of the trends that we've been seeing. Have a great, whatever, morning, afternoon, evening. Thanks for sticking with us.